Have you ever wondered how technology stays agile within the federal government? And who pushes these topics internally? And how are we setting ourselves up for success to allocate funds for new advanced opportunities? My name is Dylan Drake, and I'm the Advanced Manufacturing Product Manager for Phillips Federal, and your host for the TechShift Podcast. Today I'll be speaking with Mark Burnham, who serves as the Director of Policy for the Additive Manufacturing Coalition. He has more than 20 years experience representing universities, associations, and technology-focused entities in the Washington, D.C. area. Mar began his career working for Congresswoman Mary Kaptur, the current chair of the Energy and Water Appropriations Subcommittee, where he served on her personal staff as the liaison to the Committee on NASA, NSF, and the Veteran Affairs Appropriations. The AM Coalition is a national membership organization recognized as the national voice for additive manufacturing, with decision makers and stakeholders, including federal agencies and Congress. They are committed to supporting their members before the federal government and helping them navigate funding and legislative challenges. Let's jump on in. Hey, Mark, glad to have you on. Glad to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Of course. So for our listeners, could you give a brief background of the AM Coalition and your involvement in the federal government? So the Additive Manufacturing Coalition is officially about a year and a half old. Uh, we, we hit our year mark back in November of uh, last year. Uh, but really, this is a, a project that I've been working on for about three years. And um, to just get a little bit of background about myself, I've spent more than 20 years working in Washington, D.C., representing science and technology organizations to Congress and the federal agencies, uh, both as an in-house counsel and as an outside lobbyist. And some of those clients have included places like Caltech, uh, Fermilab, uh, the folks who run the National Center for Atmospheric Research, as well as in-house at the University of Michigan and Michigan State University, where I was at for 11 years. Um, And... So I'm not an expert in additive manufacturing. I'm an expert in providing guidance to organizations who are trying to communicate with Congress and to the federal agencies. And my colleagues, David Charrington and Lisa Rathman, each have similar experiences. All three of us actually started on Capitol Hill. Um, I actually started working for Marcy Kaptur in 1989, uh, which is a little frightening. Uh, And David actually spent time on the Senate Armed Services Committee. Uh, as well as working at Princeton and Battelle, and Lisa was working at Purdue University uh, and with a uh, uh, supercomputing uh, advocacy organization. And the purpose of of the three of us coming together was the fact that um, we recognized the importance of additive manufacturing. Um, And in our experience, you know, large companies and large organizations that have other missions, uh, whether that be America Makes or the big companies like Boeing and what have you, uh, they, they have government affairs engagements, but they're one of many different topics that are of importance. Uh, and we knew that, that the coalition needed to be that day-to-day voice that was providing updates and explanations to Congress on a very regular basis to give them an understanding of what was possible in additive manufacturing. I, I think one of the things that you have to understand about Capitol Hill is it's really run by folks who are fairly young. Uh, I was one of them back in the day. And these are folks that are political science majors and, and law majors and what have you. Uh, they're not typically engineers. They're not typically uh, coming from a manufacturing background. And so for most of them, including most of the members, their experience with additive has been 
having somebody who uh, printed them something on a desktop polymer uh, printer that was a little tchotchke, a little you know keychain or whatever. And in their mind, that's their hands-on experience. That's the advanced, as far as it is as uh, additive as advanced. Uh, so it, it's hard for them to think of additive as a solution to technological and supply chain issues, because in their mind, it's still 10, 15 years away. And so part of the purpose of our organization is to spend a lot of time raising the, le the, the basic level of understanding and then continuing to advocate. So, so the, the two levels, the two purposes is uh, the Additive Manufacturing Coalition is a 501c6 trade association designed to educate and advocate on behalf of the additive community as a whole. Uh, so we're not advocating for a specific program or a specific company. We're trying to advocate for larger, broader issues. So on the educational side, we did last year 10 forums, all of which are available on our website, uh, to help folks understand what's going on. So we did one on additive in medicine, an additive on aerospace and the like. We also did some deep dives on specific case studies. So we did one on Neighborhood 91 in, in uh, Pittsburgh area, which is a vertically integrated additive manufacturing system. Uh, and we did one on Project Diamond in the Detroit area, which is a horizontally distributed system, as well as some that were on things like cybersecurity and additive and workforce, which was really something that came from our members in every forum, people were concerned about workforce and how important that was. So as we turned to our advocacy, uh, workforce became a big part of what we were pushing. Uh, so we advocate for things like funding for research, certification and validation in support of America Makes and the work that they're doing uh, to answer the technical questions. And then also trying to find funding uh, for workforce development. And so we put together two proposals, one of which was the creation and expansion of any additive program, training program that was available, uh, because we need these not just in a few places, but in a lot of places. We need folks from the shop floor all the way through your design engineers to have exploration and experience with additive in order to make them successful in moving that technology uh, into full utilization. And there's a whole bunch of other, other issues that are going to be on the forefront. Uh, but that's, I think, to, to a long-winded answer to your initial question. I find it fascinating that Adam's been around for over 30 years now, and still education is extremely needed within the space, as well as understanding the use case of the technology. Absolutely. So, you know, it's not intuitive for some folks to think of it. If you think about the, the, the military, they have a, a great use case. You have legacy aircraft and legacy ground vehicles and, and fleet vehicles that, you know, they were built long, long ago. They don't have the IP. The companies either not in business anymore or just are not doing that production anymore. And they don't even have, uh, in some cases, CAD designs of the parts. So, but they still are operating these things and they need to be able to replace parts and things like that. And so there's a great case study for additive. There's a lot of technical challenges uh, right now from a systems process of how you get those certified and validated. Um, but there's a great use case. That stated, um, you also have existing systems. And so people tend to think of them in the mindset of using you know, traditional manufacturing to solve those problems. And on Capitol Hill in particular, which is our focus, um, it's not something that's at their forefront because it's, you know, we have this huge supply chain challenge right now is a great example of where additive can be a, a solution. Uh, and they're not aware of it. 
they're trying, you know, we're trying to bring that into their level of understanding. Uh, so there's a big bill right now uh, to deal with the chip shortage, uh, which is a classic example where they, they're trying to invest a significant amount of money to be able to produce chips in country, which is great because most of the chip manufacturing has been overseas and, and the supply chain has demonstrated the fragility of that distance of that supply chain. And um, at first the conversations were, you know, additive can be a solution here. And it's, it's, we've moved the needle to the point where it's technology neutral, but we're not at the point yet in, in the legislation where it's advocating for the inclusion of, of new technologies. Uh, it's, it's a great bill. Uh, we support it. We appreciate the members who have been working on it, but we still need the agencies when they go to implement it to be thinking about additive as something they need to, to support in part because if all you do is the traditional manufacturing, the, the market forces could very well shift it back overseas when this current crisis is over. But if you look at additive and the ability to then have customization, which is what additive provides you without having to retool, uh, we could end up keeping a lot for a long term an onshore capability, but you have to be thinking that way. Uh, and part of that is if you don't really realize that additive is uh, a solution to the problems you already have and the ones you have in the future, uh, then it's hard to think about that case that, case for it. So, so it's about a lot of education that has to happen. And it's not because people aren't interested, it's just they're not aware. I think you really hit the nail on the head there by saying that you know most are just completely unaware. And I think that understanding what we don't know is half the battle. And the education of not only the technology, but the capabilities of that technology and the history of manufacturing within the U.S. And speaking of the history of the manufacturing within the U.S., what are some of the other opportunities you and your team are doing to mitigate manufacturing, especially within the AM sector, leaving and going elsewhere? Right. I mean, what we've seen and we've heard um, from our members and from other folks in the community is there have been situations where there's a there's a need. The additive manufacturer in the U.S. has the technical capability to solve that need, but because of the challenges of getting into the supply chain and the, and the approved vendor process, just for one example, they end up going and buying from an overseas supplier. And uh, it's, it's one of those where, from a public policy standpoint, we need to be thinking much more uh, poignantly about making sure that U.S. manufacturing gets incorporated into our purchasing decisions, um, as well as into our uh, design of our, our supply chain, both from a national security standpoint, but, but also from an economic standpoint. There, there are opportunities for us to reshore a lot of technological uh, manufacturing jobs that if through additive that you wouldn't be able to do through traditional manufacturing just because of the the cost issues and the, and the labor costs. So uh, those are things that we need to be able to take advantage of, but you have to be pro proactive about doing so, or they, they just don't automatically happen. And that's really getting ahead of the curve. Speaking of economics and moving into the congressional budget cycle, what are you seeing in the pipeline within the next upcoming year? So, well, the fun part about Congress is they, they haven't actually finished last year. So we're still working on what's called the continuing resolution through February 18th. And they're in the midst of trying to finalize the appropriations process 
for really the budget year that started October 1st of last fall. And um, the negotiations are literally going on today as you and I speak. And um, right now we don't yet have a resolution. Now, the thing about additive is in a very positive thing, but it does make a challenge for tracking is additive has different pots of money in lots of different places. Uh, some of them in the services, the Department of Energy, NASA, NIST, as well as um, you know funding for research as well in, for creating new kinds of, of additive. So we're trying to check, and all of those numbers look positive in what we've seen so far in the House and the Senate, but we have to wait for them to finally complete the compromise bill between the House and the Senate and get that passed, which we hope will be done before mid, you know, the end of middle of this month, though I'll be happy if they can finish it by the end of this month. We're expecting the new budget request to come out in the very first week of March. Normally that would be coming out in February. So that has already delayed the following year's stuff. And you know, we've had positive signs about uh, the importance of uh, investing in, in all forms of advanced manufacturing, additive being one of them, uh, but we don't yet have that budget released yet. And the thing about the way the federal agencies work is they don't talk about the next year budget until it's released by the White House. And, uh, and so they are very mum on those things <laughs> at the moment. But I think it, it looks pretty good for additive in general because it's got a great use case to be, to be had. Uh, that said, you know, we have to be diligent about it and, and pay attention to it and advocate to the appropriations committees to make sure those funding levels remain high. And, and that's what we'll be doing. So quite a few buzzwords and topics there to digest. But in your own opinion, where do you see the biggest benefit that the government should be capitalizing on now as it relates to additive? So, well, first of all, I should clarify a couple things. Number one, we absolutely do support um, the research uh, into the creation of new technologies. It's one of the reasons that universities are also members. So our, our membership is a combination of academic and industry members. And so, uh, you know, we actually just added the University of Tennessee uh, last week, uh, Wichita State, Penn State, FIU, those are all current members and, and many more. Um, and the reason that they support it is because the research side of this is so important to what they do in creating new technologies where you start thinking about alloys that we can't make today, uh, magnetic plastic, all sorts of things that gets, you know, new technology capabilities, uh, which has sort of been my love for the, my entire career, uh, 20 years plus. Um, in terms of other areas for, for Congress to invest in right now, in order to take advantage of, of the capabilities that, you know, we created through this investment in research over the years, we need to make sure, number one, that as a purchaser, the government is one of the largest purchaser purchasers of uh, heavy industrial manufacturing equipment, um, that we make sure that we are making it possible for all industry members, uh, small, medium, and large, to be able to access a transparent procurement system uh, to make sure that, that they're able to fund the certification process, not just the, the big stuff that America Makes is doing uh, to solve sort of the big certification validation issues, but also the one-offs like, okay, we, we, we're working on that. It's, it's a bigger problem that's gonna take a little while to do. I've got a part I need to put on a plane now 
and I need to get certified. And today, uh, there's not always a way to get that certification process paid for because it may be a situation where you have a small company who's going to make a, a part that they're going to make a little bit of money, but not enough to pay for this big certification. And you have a government agency who, who I don't need a, a million of these. I need, you know, 300 of these. And so it's, it's one of those, they just have to figure out how to pay for the, how to certify that product through that process um, in the, in the one-off stuff, as well as the bigger stuff, like how do we do the whole process? So uh, one of the things they want to be able to do is if you're using this feedstock with this printer, you know, you can make this suite of parts. We're not there. We're not even there yet. And in the meantime, we have to pay for how do you get those individual parts paid for uh, so that they can fly them. Uh, so I think those are all things that we really need to focus on. But there's other options. Um, you know, we're starting to see the construction of structures, homes, and things like that. Uh, you're also seeing printed electronics and flexible electronics and medical applications. So you've got a lot of investment that has to happen. Uh, to make sure that like the FDA, who we just had a panel with uh, in December, uh, has the support it needs to be able to go through and uh, validate and, and certify from a medical standpoint, the technologies that are coming out of industry. So, you know, there's the thing about additive is wonderful is it covers so many different types of technologies and areas of industry uh, that I think it's gonna just be a hugely disruptive technology that's a great thing for America, but it does cause challenges because, you know, it's a disruptive technology and, and that always means that the way of doing things before gets uh, changed and that sometimes creates challenges uh, from uh, a governmental standpoint as well as an industry standpoint. Yeah, disruption can turn things on its head, as well as simplifying processes within the government and private sectors. There are quite a few different facets of this technology, as you alluded to, but how do you advance the promotion of additive in your day-to-day? -day? We're trying to be active and promote positive uh, change, uh, but, but there is a whole bunch of government affairs, which is trying to make sure that decisions that are made don't disadvantage uh, you as well. So, you know, we, we want to make sure, like, if they're going to do a bill to create this, the solve the chip manufacturing problem, that they don't write the bill in such a way that disadvantages additive. Uh, and I'm not, and, and the, the current bill is, is neutral. I would like it to be a little more pro uh, additive, but at least it's neutral. So we've, we've mitigated the, the, the negative side. I'd like to get to the pro side. There. I completely agree. Leading into my last question here, what do you foresee being the biggest opportunity working alongside of the government in the promotion of additive technologies? Well, you know, it's hard to pick just one. I mean, uh, we're, we're seeing this amazing uh, amount of work and space, um, not only for the idea of being able to, to use 3D printing in space to make stuff once you're up there, but also to actually build the rockets to get you there. Um, you also are seeing in medicine the utilization of additive to not only create new bone, but also to be able to put in, uh, in sensors that are going to, you know, check how you're, you're doing for, from recovering from your injury or surgery that actually eventually biodegrade and, and, and you don't have to go in and take them back out. Uh, to all of the advances in the military for us. I mean, I think a very easy use case here is the fact that today when you're at a forward base, 
there's a high percentage of, of your airplanes that are waiting to be repaired. And you've got a long supply chain. If you can get to the point where you can print the part on site, you shorten the amount of time that that plane is, is not able to fly in missions. And so that's a, you know, from, from an economic standpoint, that's huge, but also from a national security point, that's huge, being able to make sure that, that they're able to go back into service uh, in a matter of hours or days instead of weeks and months. And qualification that you were alluding to is also extremely beneficial for every industry. Absolutely. And, and is that, you know, as is often the case, the, the, the Department of Defense has led the development of so many technologies uh, from, you know, the Internet on uh, because it met a national security need that then goes on to have a huge impact on the commercial sector as well. Yeah, I think we can all agree that there's more to additive than just the technology. Mark, your work in this sector makes it possible for a more agile future within the government space. Thank you for pulling back the veil and giving us a look at what life is like working with policy decision makers. Well, I appreciate that. You know, we're, if I if I may, um, you know, we're an organizational membership uh, association, so we're not for individuals. But if you know, if there's an organization that's interested, uh, we'd love to have them join the coalition. You heard it here, folks. Thank you, Mark. If you are interested in learning more about the Additive Manufacturing Coalition and want to become a member, please visit their website at www.addmfgcoalition.org. That's www.addmfgcoalition.org. This podcast was brought to you by Phillips Federal, the leader in the federal marketplace.